The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. That's right, it's time for another edition of the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. I'm Marty Gold, this is Season 3, Episode 9. I know that we've been pumping out the podcast fast and furious, as well as uh, producing regular audio commentaries and columns over at winnipegtribune.ca, and I appreciate those of you that are um, absorbing all of the content, all of the information, analysis, opinion that we're generating, the headlines that are unique uh and are are not matched uh, on the subject matter in question, and have not been for a number of months, really, especially when we were focusing on City Hall civic issues. Uh, but with the provincial election, I'm glad to say we're holding our own. Candidate interviews uh, are are out, um, most recent with Rajan Caron running in Fort Rouge against the NDP leader, Wab Canoe. Uh, our three-part interview series exclusive with Andrew Marquez, um, flagging the city's potential liability in the upcoming expropriation hearing, uh, and uh, as well the chilling effect on investment when uh, outside investors or even inside investors, in terms of people already in the city of Winnipeg or the province of Manitoba, they see the city hall at the behest of a city councilor, according to the decision of the court, that a city councilor, John Orlico, can cause a businessman a lot of grief, a lot of unjust uh, interference, invented. Uh, objections, uh, uh, deficiencies in applications that aren't actual legitimate deficiencies but are engineered to create a stall. Uh, the chilling effect nobody in the Winnipeg media has addressed, and I'm grateful to Andrew Marquez of Gem Equities for having uh, sat down with me uh, and uh, allowed me to bring those points forward to the public because that affects all of you as taxpayers. Um, notwithstanding the emphasis on provincial coverage uh, in the present time, uh, campaign coverage. Uh, I want to assure people that uh, things will be a little more normal. Feedback, I've gotten feedback on the Marquez uh, interview uh, and people reflecting on their own miserable experiences as landowners in the city of Winnipeg trying to improve properties. I will get to that. Uh, There's been some really nice conversations with some of the material that I post, some of the podcast subjects. Uh, And and even when it's about... uh, you know, ahead of the curve, all of a sudden you were avalanched by the media on stories about about uh, about uh, uh, parental rights and so-called hate. The first piece really circulated in this community about that that tried to tell a balanced story was mine, which was simple. What woke parents have wrong about other parents' rights? I didn't say woke parents didn't have rights. I said they have something wrong about other parents' rights. And... Uh, that one's gotten a lot of traction. There's been some polite dialogue back and forth online that I do want to bring forward at some point uh, into the audio portion of this these podcasts just so that people understand that there is a way to communicate in public, get points across, hear other people's points of view, uh, but also ensure that things aren't twisted, things aren't torqued, the narrative isn't repeated over and over again. Comments from Reddit on this kind of subject, not specifically about that podcast, 
you know, where Dan Lett says, when you're at risk of losing power after seven years, he said, even the riskiest strategies start to seem sensible. So the, the media, the, the far-left media, the Trudeau-funded media, they all are in alignment and lockstep with uh, trying to change societal norms and enforce speech, all these other subjects and topics. Not everybody's down with the program. One comment reflecting on that point of view, saying it's a miscalculation for anyone to count out the PCs this election. They're hitching their wagon to the parental rights movement and outside of the Reddit echo chamber that is moving the needle in their favor. Same with not searching the dump. Exactly what I've been saying on this podcast for weeks. I've heard a lot of people say that they couldn't wait to vote the PCs out. They'll begrudgingly vote for them. The fear-mongering this commenter saying about Wabkanoo's pass also working better than it should. Another comment, even a lot of traditional NDP voters don't support searching the dump, and that is absolutely correct, and I've heard that from NDP supporters uh, previously. In regards with parental rights, two parental rights, I agree with you in this comment you're talking about the other person who had posted. The PCs are picking up a lot of support for this in the areas they needed, suburban traditional families. And this is a problem, because when you start, especially in the uh, suburban areas of Winnipeg, when you start campaigning on the, the base, this is like a poison pill for the NDP. Um, you know, unmentioned in the Winnipeg media is the leak of a Zoom conversation with about 120 labor organizations, leading labor organizations, uh, uh, headquartered out of, I believe it was Hamilton, with all sorts of plans to counter-protest the parental rights marches that are taking place in, as it turns out, 100 places in this country. I, When I first spoke of this, I didn't realize the scope of this. But you're going to go on your march against people who say that they have a right to know what's being said and being done with their children in school. Uh, And you have a union-led, what is genuinely a union-led hate campaign, calling people in the Zoom meeting, these other parents are Nazis. Try convincing a Sikh parent or a Muslim parent that they're Nazis for wanting the traditions of their family values and the way their families. Um, manage information that goes to their children about sexuality. Imagine telling them that they're hateful Nazis. Try that and see if it translates into votes at the door. And so by the NDP being aligned with, with the Antifa types who whip up absolute hatred against parents, you know, what they don't understand is this isn't some sort of, well, what, do you, what does that one union release say? A far-right conservative? No! That's, this is beyond the, beyond the scope of reality, I think. And, and some of these people really need to re-examine how they interpret facts on the ground. Actually, they need to get their feet on the ground. People on the ground, it's like 80% in favor of the notion that parents have the right to information from schools, from teachers, to parent their own children because they have responsibilities to those kids. The idea that's already guaranteed has been blown out of the water. Everybody says, oh, there's school trustees, there's all these layers that's been blown out of the water by the behavior of those very entities in other jurisdictions. We just saw... um, in the hands of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion agendas in Ontario. Uh, We just saw the Diary of Anne Frank banned, tossed in the garbage, apparently, along with other classics of literature and Harry Potter, because they were published before 2008, aren't woke enough. So uh, this idea that the professionals can be trusted is no more believed anymore than it is that doctors can be trusted when it comes to vaccines that were tested on 10 mice and and over, uh, you know, without actual target. People don't trust these systems anymore to vet information in a way that isn't skewed to an agenda as opposed to the public good. So I'm just trying to explain what the overlay is. 
And for anybody to say parental rights, far right, start screeching about the far right, th- that's very, da- very dangerous tactic, uh, especially for the free press in particular, needs all, all the support they can get. CBC just gets support anyways. But this is topic it has traction not because it's imported from the U.S., but because the education programs, these DEI programs, the infiltration of curriculum has come from the U.S., and from other Western countries, just late coming to Winnipeg. But this is a big deal. It's going to continue to be a big deal. And in some extent, it ties in with family values when it comes to the, the concept of personal responsibility. So, whereas politically for years, some people have drifted left in the way they vote because they couldn't stand the way the right portrayed themselves. When it comes down to this, where unions are calling other people names... And teachers' unions are trying to say that they know better for your kids uh, what you should or shouldn't know about. Not working. Backfiring. As a result, I'm told McPhillips, the riding of McPhillips is now in play. Kildonan East has apparently become very competitive. The NDP losing hope in some constituencies that they had hoped to be able to take the window narrowing on them being able to close the gap and take a dozen seats even cindy lamaro is feeling the heat in tyndall park for being associated with the federal liberals and justin trudeau there's a lot of little moving parts here that frees up liberal vote and and brings people out to the ballot box in greater numbers Why? Because the motivation of something that affects them personally. Those factors, crime, uh, what is now called affordability, the economy, both of which, uh, as you heard Rajan Karan uh, in the interview I conducted with that candidate, uh, both of which are by many people blamed on the federal liberals and their cohorts, the propping them up NDP under Jagmeet Singh. And this other matter, parental rights, has come onto the radar, definitely, as a ballot box issue, very dangerous for the media to create more. And I heard Wapkanu say, well, this is the divisive. The division is caused. Somebody please explain to Wap. The division is caused when a teacher or union say that children should have secrets about what's going on in school with them from their parents. That doesn't wash with people. It's a core value. And calling wanting parents to have the right to information divisive, well, Wab Canoe and his candidates, I'm sure, are hearing otherwise at some doorsteps around this city and this province. So there's a brief recap of what's going on with the election, uh, how it ties into some of the topics we've been covering. Uh, oh, I guess what I have to do is also mentioned crime, because crime has hit the, the provincial election. 300 signs destroyed or missing in one riding, I was told this weekend, from the conservative side of things. NDP signs also being damaged. I'm not actually hearing a lot about liberal signs being defaced. I'm sure that's the case. All sorts of, uh, you know, creative artwork, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, proverbial German officer scar on the face, the eye patch, the Hitler mustache. Uh, in this, in one case, 
a uh, a bus bench of Quran uh, attired in her uh, day-to-day uh, work gear as a police officer. Uh, the entire bus bench altered to read, Wab is the way, but left her name up, which is pretty interesting, and covered her face, etc. The, 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 the bus benches have become more of a target, I, I think, than previously. Um, to some extent, there was some reluctance because you got a lot more taggers out, but also the messaging by the conservatives is very strong. Uh, fighting for parents' rights, uh, and, and it doesn't matter if it's bullshit, you know, in terms of, well, it's just BS on the campaign. The messaging on them isn't just like a candidate's message re-elect so-and-so. These are all themed. Uh, historic investments in healthcare. So you can see how this might inspire political operatives. There's a belief that there's heavy union activity in a couple of ridings and that some of these tactics are at the behest of uh, not the political parties, but of their overwrought supporters who were looking at running a campaign as frontrunners and have found themselves mired in combat at a door-to-door basis in many of the constituencies in Manitoba, and they weren't expecting it. The NDP having continuing to have a shortage of volunteers, and a lot of people are being paid to work on those campaigns. So when you look at questions of uh, momentum, you look at questions of capacity to expand vote, these are all factors that are coming into play. But the more unions are involved, and I submitted earlier in this campaign that um, it doesn't carry the cachet of being supported by a union. They're just seen by a lot of the working public and a lot of, of, of uh, not just the working class, lower classes too. They see unions as serving the political masters at the top end. In other words, you may have, going back to unions, teachers unions, you look at the states, they're all in favor of what's so-called trans rights and, and, and uh, all sorts of curriculum that addresses the gender identity and things like that, as opposed to reading, writing, and arithmetic. Uh, the belief is certainly that unions that get involved in these kinds of uh, p- political issues and crit- criticizing parenting, that this is the union leadership acting out their own desires and their own ab- their own abilities to control society, and not something that even the union membership supports. And even within the NDP, we know there's a split because there's a great amount of discontent. Uh, Canoe on radio in the uh, CJOB debate saying, I will not defund police. And you just know that there's half a dozen members in his caucus pulling their hair out. Or lighting it on fire, whatever their cultural tradition may or may not be. Um, so along with his ER epiphany uh, uh, and and uh, and all these other campaign promises, Wab Canoe is uh, waffled to the right significantly. And the Conservatives, I don't know that they can be said that they've waffled to the left. Dougal Lamont, I don't know if he made any traction in that radio uh, debate today, but there are a lot of Liberal voters in past elections that are are looking at this as a two-horse race. Um, In any event, this election, uh, sign damage going on, uh, fingers being pointed uh, around. If only, if only there was some kind of understanding about how truly rotten it is. One of the more rotten things you can do in terms of undermining democracy is removing evidence of somebody standing on the ballot. Taking down signs. Listen, grabbing a sign after an election, grabbing a souvenir, that's different. It's after the vote. Taking down signs, unless they're placed illegally somewhere, it's... It's a low form of politics. There's certainly a lot of that being practiced, evidently, you know, uh, largely against the conservatives. 
the NDP also being victimized. I'm not saying that one party's doing it to the other, and it could, for all we know, there's disgruntled liberals running around taking down everybody's sign because they're disgruntled because in some writings there's no liberal running. You get the idea. But, whereas it may not be the parties, campaign workers sometimes maybe think they're doing everybody a favor. They aren't. And it's a form of intimidation. And in that regard, maybe it would be nice if the unions working on the campaigns disavowed it just took a stance saying they were against it and that they aren't for it. Might help a little bit. It's a lot of expense. And you know, the victims, you know, the victims of, of this, it's not so much, you know, the camp, a campaign is kind of nebulous. A candidate, well, they're a public figure, slings and arrows. But the campaign workers that put up the signs, whether yard signs, lawn signs, up on businesses, like they're the ones that are doing the work and they're the ones that are the victims because the, the uh, how do I put this? The fruits of their labor, the value of the work that they put up completely legally in accordance with uh, with the provisions of how elections are run. And that is undermined by uh, people exhibiting cowardice. Be brave. Leave people's signs alone. Fight on the issues. And stop calling other people bigots. Might be a good start. When I come back from this break, finally, I'm going to try to recap Crime Court's public safety update uh, and as well, a um, little missive about downtown safety was sent out by uh, Police Chief Danny Smythe. I'm going to take a look at a very interesting analysis we got from uh, one of our regular listeners. All that and more when we return after this break with the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. The information you need but can't find anywhere else. A lot of you know what would hit the fan if at any point anything were to come out from this. But we have that information. The tradition of investigative journalism for Winnipeg restored. You will not believe the latest kind of garbage being crammed on a curriculum that has nothing to do with reading, writing, arithmetic. Actionline.ca This is the priority at City Hall. Like prostitutes. There's money being waved around. We better go do whatever it is so we can get the money. Now whether it makes sense doesn't matter. Featuring the Great Canadian Talk Show. Where do the people go to be heard? With Marty Gold. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at tgcts. You have the power. The Crime Courts and Public Safety Update is sponsored by Jamrock Security. For your home, your family, your business, your employees, and for your community, Jamrock provides affordable protection solutions. Call 204-880-1564 or go online, jamrocksecurity.ca. Do security. Do it smart. Jamrock Security. Back with part two of episode nine here on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Uh, we are headquartered on ActionLine.ca, Winnipeg's new home of public affairs. We're going to be adding more features to ActionLine, and we are indeed, and people have asked, we are looking at a, a form of some form of taking calls. Uh, might start slow, might start with call of the day. And if you're interested in participating in that, if you're interested in helping ActionLine grow, supporting this work, uh, we we have some we're going to have some equipment needs evidently that are going to be coming up, paying the rent, keeping the lights on, all the rest of it. Uh, 
when the election campaign is over, things are going to move full swing in an action line, and the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast will be a featured presentation. But there's going to be other content, uh, whether it's columns, editorials. We're going to try to work on the YouTube side as well uh, of things. Those videos we did about the St. Luke Boniface bike lanes and how City Hall was deliberately uh, lying. Uh, when you don't tell people you're taking away 99 parking spots and it's a supposed open house, what you've done is you've gone and you've lied to the people. We're going to be following up on all of that coming up at actionline.ca. We're going to get right down to business. I guarantee you that. Been a little while since I've been able, a little while, really not that long, but all the election coverage, time for Crime Court's public safety update. I don't know if there's any court stuff in this. There might be. Sponsored by Jamrock Security, and we thank Jamrock for their support through the election uh, through the election campaign and making sure that we can bring this information forward to y'all. You may not have heard about uh, arrests that were made of a crime spree over the course of the summer. Because sometimes what ends in murder starts out as people think they walk into stores and rob people blind. $116,000 worth of designer eyewear. This was between June 5th and August 28th. And this was all over the city, about 300 pairs now, I, I'm, I'm not into designer eyewear. I mean, anybody who's seen my pictures can tell, because to me, it's just another thing to get ruined or, or lost or broken or something. $116,000. These thefts over a period of time went from uh, around what we used to call, I guess what's now called Kildonan Crossing, what we used to call the crossroads, right? Kildonan Place, that area. 1500 Regent. A week later, the 1200 block of St. Mary's Road. Hello, St. Vitale. Then down Bishop Grand into Sterling Lion Parkway for a couple of hits towards the end of June and July. Oh, and then August too. Oh, how convenient. And back to St. Vitale at the end of St. Mary's Road, which is pretty much the end of the ro road for them, the end of the line, because about 12 days later, police executed a search warrant on Pamina Highway, and a fellow named Anthony Rodriguez was charged with theft over 5,000 times six and kept in custody. He's a 22-year-old. Over 40 pairs of designer sunglasses. Designer glasses? I don't think it says sunglasses. Over 40 pairs of designer glasses valued over $12,000 have been recovered. So they've recovered 12 grand. He stole 100. He's alleged to have stolen 116 grand. Uh... So he the what's missing is a hundred and four thousand dollars, and approximately two hundred and fifty pairs of eyewear. A twenty-year-old female is also charged with possession of property obtained by crime. What a lovely start for those young folks! I'm sure they make their family happy and proud. But what was really the big news around town? was a, a sequence of murders, three and four days. People being shot everywhere. We go back to the shooting at the 500 block of Furby at the end of August, where three individuals were charged. And the story behind it, as published in the Free Press, very helpful to understand where things are going, where things are going wrong. Because Kyle Alex Harper, a 25-year-old charged in shooting Corey Roger Roulette to death. He was out on bail, despite the Crown recommending he remain in custody and under orders to wear an ankle monitor. 
I don't know what Corey Roger Roulette did, but why is he dead right now? Well, one reason is <clears throat> somebody should have been on ice. He was facing multiple firearms charges, was Mr. Harper. Released from custody under an absolute curfew. That worked. On July 13th, the Crown Prosecutor urged a provincial court judge not to release him. He had been arrested with a sawed-off shotgun. He has at least 10 criminal charges in his background that are similar. Forever flouting weapons prohibition orders, violating curfew, tampered with an ankle monitor. They let him out to do more of the same. It is Harper thumbing his nose the highest rung of the ladder, the Crown said. Who's the judge? Who's the judge that released this guy to go on? to be involved in a shooting because I'm sure he was there in the room or something. I don't think it's likely he was charged otherwise. Everybody else charged with the case also has the last name of Harper. Remarkably, Ramona, a 21-year-old, she's charged with second-degree murder and a third, a 19-year-old, Raul West Tyson, that's a hyphenated name, Bradley Harper, a 19-year-old, have charged, not clear if the three are related, according to the news story, Raul Harper, 19. He was on a release order at the time of the homicide, having been charged with robbery, aggravated assault, and possession of a weapon in February. Wasn't supposed to leave his home after 8 p.m. Uh, the third Harper, Ramona, no criminal history. In December 2022, another victim, Daniel Cook was shot and killed at that same building, 583 Furby. We go back to that. Then there's been more shootings. Mountain Avenue between Powers and McKenzie, uh, a Saturday night and a Sunday. Everett Patterson King, victim on September 10th, a 21-year-old male named D'Artagnan Francesco Martin Pakaluk. They went to a social gathering inside an apartment building, inside a residence, the 500 block of Mountain. They went back outside and someone shot someone and Mr. King is dead and Mr. Pakaluk is charged. Am I right? It's the very next day. No, that evening, 200 block of college. That's not far from Mountain Avenue, is it? And a 25-year-old named Daniel Raymond Garvey Rodriguez, by all accounts, a decent guy. And I believe an immigrant... If I read this, one of the stories correctly, an immigrant from Cuba, which struck me, like how many people, if, if that was correct, how many people have come to Winnipeg from Cuba? It doesn't strike me that that's a, a lot of, like, do a lot of people leave Cuba? Anyways, this young fellow uh, outside an apartment building in the 200 block of college, also notorious hotspot. Luckily, the next shooting was nowhere near the north end of the relief of people in the north end. It was in the rear lane of the 600 block of Lipton Avenue with a 56-year-old. That was on Tuesday, September 12th. And then the next in Fort Rouge, 635 Mulvey, the corner of Hugo. I state with caution, it is possible, because I'd have to look at the building, it is possible that I in a previous lifetime, knew somebody who did own that building. I'm going to have to drive by and take a look and see if it's if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and I'm just saying, it might have been on Mulvey, it might have been on Fleet, one of those other streets. I might have to go take a look uh, and uh, and see. That just struck me right now. But in, there is okay a question. 
that Damien Wayne Scrumita met his end in an apartment in that block in the basement, I'm told, at 635 Mulvey, where when police were investigating, they found a live, what they call IED, improvised device. In other words, a bomb! Scrumita, 25th homicide of the year, known drug dealer, according to these reports. Police have seized 603 guns so far this year. How bad is the violence? One of the fellows that lives in Mulvey, somebody was killed in the building he lived in previously at Main and Dufferin. And in a number of cases, again, you can hear that what Rejan Caron said about the change to bail conditions, police being forced to release incorrigibly violent antisocial individuals. Listen to the records of the people that have been let out on the street to go on to be accused of murder on the streets of Winnipeg again. On top of whatever other charges they have faced. That it doesn't that doesn't make sense. And the judges face no consequences for these poor decisions. The consequences are being felt out by flesh and blood human beings. And the ripple effects in the community regardless of everybody involved, is the worst kind of criminal. You have a shooting taking place at the corner of Mountain and Powers. It's not so good for the rest of the neighborhood. Two blocks over on college. I wonder how how, how enjoyable life is for the people on, on Warsaw and Fleet now that there's been a, a good old-fashioned shooting and a bomb found in that neighborhood. Now, that doesn't mean that these things sometimes are not isolated. Sometimes they are. But the point is, when there's people around, that means that there's like this. This is like two cars racing and hit the brakes in a neighborhood. This is within a neighborhood. So who are these people linked to? What other activity is going on? Who is going to be picking up the bombs? See what I'm saying? A lot of confidence out in the public now, all over the city. There must be. And you know who hasn't said a word while I'm thinking of it? It's, it these incidents, if you heard anything for the city councilors, the ML, I mean, MLAs are running... Right, I, I get that they may feel they can't make pronouncements, although it seems to me as candidates they should. Surely Nahani Fontaine could express some sympathy for the victims of these shootings. I think those fall in St. John's. I'm, uh, I'm sure they both, those two shootings do. But where's the city councillors? Lipton, is that Cindy Gilroy? Uh, Mulvey, I, I'm guessing, is Sherry Rollins? Silent? Why? Why no solidarity with the neighborhood? Why no, cond no condolences to the victims? The victims' families? The Crime Courts and Public Safety Update is sponsored by Jamrock Security. For your home, your family, your business, your employees, and for your community, Jamrock provides affordable protection solutions. Call 204-880-1564 or go online, jamrocksecurity.ca. Do security, do it smart. Jamrock Security. Let's go back to last Thursday. Could have had another murder. With an improvised gun, 13 rounds of 22 caliber ammunition found on the suspect when she was apprehended after a 42-year-old was shot in the area of Martha Street. I'm going to say it. Everybody hates it, but I'm going to say it. Skid Row. 
One of our most heard podcasts of the year was about the situation down there. And instead of digging up a landfill, maybe put some money towards ensuring women's safety in particular in the area of Henry and Martha. After 4 a.m., police officers approached by a victim. 42-year-old shot in the lower body. Two groups of people got in an argument and some dame pulled out a gun. 22-year-old. Let's listen to what her record's like. She's been charged with aggravated assault, a slew of firearms charges, six counts of failed to comply with a release order, and on four unrelated arrest warrants. She was detained. Why was she on the loose? Oh, look, look at how this, wow. She's under a release order six times. Six times? She almost killed this guy. That be South Point Douglas. Vivian Santos, silent. The Dufresne area, we've talked frequently, and, and I know there's a lot going on, and I'm making a promise again, the people of St. Boniface and Windsor Park, uh, I'm going to be in a position to focus a little more particularly on these neighborhoods in the next few weeks as we come out of the election period. I promise you I'm watching it, and, and, and I'm making particular mention the crime around Happy Land Park, the strange behavior, the odd uh, conduct that goes on the at all hours, uh, the connection to homeless encampments, what's going on in back lanes of the Dufresne neighborhood, that's the area around the, the hotel, right, the other side of the street, the north side of the street. All this action, dead silence from the city councilor, Matt Allard. Happy to be hopping a bus to go back to work today. The absolute destruction, removal of bus shelters in this, in this area, around the hospital. Bus lanes jammed in, backing up trap without consultation. By any stretch, because oh, it'd be dumb if we put them in and 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 uh, you know we're rebuilding the street. We didn't put them in. Uh, no. But the bike lobby takes more priority over over genuine public safety. The twelve cyclists that might use that corner. You know where people, including cyclists, go a lot. Provence and Tache coming over the bridge. Iconic. A lot of pictures, including by myself, taken of downtown Winnipeg. Right, the museum, the Royal Bank building, etc. This weekend, 2.30 in the morning, three teens walking to their cars, or car, set upon by four individuals of ill repute, surely, and in ill humor, brandishing weapons. Multiple serious injuries for two of these young men, sent to hospital in unstable condition. The victims were walking to their vehicle. So this is a Saturday night, right around Tache and Provence in St. Boniface, in what is designed to be a tourist sector, what with Madelard having spent $5 million on that walkway on Tache, where criminals could take advantage of their status as homeless people to invent chop shops, create chop shops, All along that riverway and homeless camps. Must feel nice to be able to put money into public amenities and then not have to care if they're actually safe or not.
The armed suspects attempted to rob them, causing significant injuries with a knife. The victims fled and contacted police. So imagine this. These three teen boys, let's say they're 18, 19. Or I'm assuming they're all adult, okay? They had to fight off four goons with knives. They got shanked. They were bleeding. They were scarred. They were terrified. They ran. You'd think somebody from the city of Winnipeg some public figure would go, hey, whoa, this is a tourist destination, this this kind of corner here. We want to encourage people to know that they're safe when they come into St. Boniface, that they're going to be safe. So let's set about, everybody check your cameras. Let's find who these four goons are. Let's see if they have priors. Let's name the judge that let them out on conditions when they had already been offenders. Breaching conditions. I'm just making a prediction there. Not a word from Matt Allard. Not a word from the city councilor, Matt Allard. You know, in the States and in other jurisdictions in Canada, when there's random, scarring, life-changing violence taking place in neighborhoods that they represent, elected officials at least show solidarity with the victims. In fact, if this had happened at the Forks, you can be sure that first and foremost among those making pronouncements would be Mayor Scott Gillingham. But it wasn't at the Forks. It was a hop, skip, and not even a drive from the Forks. Police Chief Danny Smythe saying that he has a plan to make downtown safer such as the Forks, citing a police presence at the Millennium Library, Millennial Library, contributed to public safety in and around the library, drug use and concealed weapons within the library are no longer a concern. Well, guess what, Danny? Get those frontline members, assign a library, get them back on the beat. As one listener pointed out, where uh, he said crimes of opportunity are less likely to be committed if offenders perceive a high likelihood of being caught which is more, pro, uh, more likely with heightened police presence, and he's going to increase uh, double the number of officers out in the downtown beat, all of which is very well and good. But as one listener has explained, well, he got the first part right. But when police do not act on the neighborhood break-ins and vandalism, and frustrated citizens stop reporting them, the system is begging perpetrators to keep perpetrating. That is true, and that falls on Danny Smyth's watch. This listener also saying he's wrong about New York. He made a comment about Times Square being improved by police presence, successfully deterring and reducing crime. It was not the police presence that changed the place. It was the prosecute the little stuff and the administrative accountability for performance. That's right. Broken windows theory. Maybe Danny Smythe one day will stop wanting to be a social worker and will become a cop. And will actually be able to do what he says when he says he looks at New York as a model for how to get crime under control especially in the downtown area. Going to be back with more information, news, more campaign, and a campaign exclusive coming up. Uh, trying to line up a couple of more candidate uh, interviews. And a very important next episode, very important, is going to be about economic development. It impacts in the on the provincial election campaign in terms of what's been said. Uh, former member of uh, provincial and federal parliaments, 
think I can use it that way. Somebody who's been elected at the provincial and federal level and served in government at both levels, special guest on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast coming up. Uh, your feedback, martygoldlive at gmail.com. Your support, same direction, same place. We're here for you. We're going to keep covering things. And uh, try. I'll try to at least fit in a crime report, I promise. Like once a week at least, maybe be able to figure out how to do it twice. Uh, we're just juggling a lot of pieces. Stay with us. It's going to be bad. It's not just getting better. It's gotten better. And it's going to get fantastic in the near future. Remember, as always, we're here for one reason. We're focused on this community. We're focused on your values. We're focused on the fact that you need a platform. You need a voice. We're focused on the belief that you have the power. Whether you're concerned. Rush hour, people can't get home in this city. Angry or motivated. Which he hasn't mentioned anything about and didn't do anything about when he was in charge. Because that, that's a small stuff. Actionline.ca, letting you know you have the power. It didn't matter if they're NDP, liberal, conservative. They'd say, well, that's really expensive. I'd say, yeah, you know what else is expensive? Firefighters, water. Home of the great Canadian talk show. The point of uselessness when he wielded influence around the halls of 510 Main Street. With Marty Gold. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at tgcts. I love-